Hey, everybody. Today, I have my interview with USA Today bestselling romance author Scarlett Scott. As many of you know, she's a prolific writer with multiple series under her belt, including the latest, The Rogues Guild. We discussed her new book, Her Wicked Rogue, which comes out next week, how a single good review can make her morning, and the ups and downs of self-publishing into the current climate. So let's get to it. Welcome to Romancing the Tome, the podcast where I speak with our favorite romance novelists and ask them about their stories and their craft and the books that they can't put down at night. I'm your host, historical romance writer Margot Thorne. Thanks for joining me. Well, thanks for meeting with me today. Of course. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, no worries at all. I'm I'm excited. I, I've known about you for a long time. I've definitely read your books. I think I first got to know you with the Wicked Winters season I, or series. Yes. Yeah. So that, I think that was my first kind of like baby steps into your writing world. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm, I'm happy to speak with you. Yeah. I'm so happy to speak with you too. I think the Wicked Winters is like the gateway for a lot of readers, it seems to be. For whatever reason, I don't know. That series kind of took off. <laughs> was that was that one of your first series or or how did that work out? No, it was um it wasn't. It was actually this idea just came to me randomly to have a brother with his sisters and do a house party and just do a series of six books. Initially, that's what it was meant to be. Yeah. Um, and then I just kind of ran with it. I think I don't remember. It was maybe my fifth series that I had written at that point. It was my second Regency series, though. My I was previously writing mostly Victorian. Yeah, I noticed um, that you do write Regency and Victorian. Those time periods are so they're so different, although they are close together, obviously in time. So, why did you decide to do those two times? Well, I prefer Victorian time. Period. Oh, really? Because that's yeah. what I write. So that's interesting to hear. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's my favorite. But um, so I got started with Victorians and then I got approached by Dragonblade Publishing and they uh -huh. asked me to write a Regency series. So I thought, well, okay. So um, I had written a Regency years before that for Alora's Cave. I don't know if you remember that publisher, but I've heard, yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, so they were like one of the digital first publishers back in the beginning of everything. And that's who I was originally published with. So I had written a Regency for them and then had switched to Victorian because it is my preferred time period. Although I, I like Regency as well, but Victorian's my favorite. Um, and then Dragonblade contacted me and they're like, we, we would love you to do a Regency series for us. And I thought, okay, it might be fun to go back to Regency again. And so then I've just been kind of dabbling in both because I, I did find that I really enjoyed Regency too, but Victorian's still my favorite. What, uh, what do you, what do you like about Victorian so much? That's a tough question. I think what I like about it is that it's almost modern. Right. Um, and it's like really the start of our modern times so you can like the language is more accessible and the like the the inventions the technologies women's rights are really getting a foothold and so I like all those those aspects of it I think yeah no definitely it's got all these weird little corners you can kind of peek into like um, yes you know it's in obviously you have Victoria's queen which is always fun as well yeah um but but yeah definitely well, I wanted to also, I was going through all of your backlog and it is a st 
astonishing to me, all of the books you have written, because I, can you talk a little bit about how long you've been writing now? Uh, whew, well, I've been writing since I was 12, and I'm about to be 40, so that's a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote my first book when I was 12. I never published it. Um, but so I've been writing a long time. And then um, back in 2009, I got plucked off the slush pile um, by an editor at Alora's Cave. I'd been trying to get an agent for for years and I'd get so far in the process and then it never would get taken on as a client. So, and that was back in like the old days of publishing where you had to send snail mail oh, yeah. and like, you know, wait months to get your rejection, your form rejection letter back in the mail. Yep. Um, and then I finally got plucked off the slush pile with Alora's cave. And so I wrote for them and kind of cut my teeth with the whole publishing experience. And then they went out of business and I got the rights back to my books. And in 2016, I started just self-publishing because I didn't really know what to do with the books I had already written. Mm -hmm. So I thought, let's give this a try. And then it just kind of turned into a thing that snowballed and did really well. And I quit my day job and now I write full-time. I've been writing full-time for five years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's, it, you do, do you self-publish? I mean, I know you talked about Dragon Blade, but for the majority of your books, you do self-publish. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And why do you continue to go that route? Because I imagine by now you have so many followers, you know, I'm sure people are just biting at the bit to represent you. So what's your reasoning for staying with that? Um, well, I have quite a few reasons. First of all, like the publishing industry is really changing a lot. And um, I think it's growing harder and harder for them to keep up with indie publishing. Mm -hmm. And so I've heard a lot of horror stories from that end of things. And also I'm kind of a control freak. So I like... <laughs> Being able to call the shots on the cover, the editors. If somebody tells me something that I disagree with, I like being able to say, no, nope, I'm going to stick with my gut instinct on that. Yeah. Um, I can write whatever plot I want. I can write them whatever length I want. I can release them whenever I want. Like, I mean, you just have so much more freedom. And also, not to get into the financial aspect, but I think it's more advantageous to be indie than it is to share a cut of your, your royalties with someone else. Right. Definitely. But that, I mean, I guess the double-edged side was as you have so much that's on you to, yeah. to do, you know, what it's finding an editor, finding, I and mean, I'm sure that you have created like this network of amazing people around yourself by now, but I'm sure at the beginning that was probably daunting. Yes, it was very daunting. And actually I was really fortunate that my editor at Alora's Cave ended up we ended up staying in contact and she's been my editor for all these years. Oh, how so, amazing. That, yeah. So that was one big part of the equation that, um, that's been great, but yeah, finding people, it does take time finding reliable people, right. Talented people. I mean, there's a lot of people that are offering services that shouldn't be in this industry. Yes, sure. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but over time I have built up a really, really great team that I'm very pleased with. And it is a lot of work, but it's very rewarding as well. Definitely. No, it's amazing how many people call themselves editors. You know, yes. like I'm saying I'm an editor, so that means I'm an editor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And same for proofreaders. <laughs> right. And people who don't know the difference between one or the other, you know, like it's. it's yes. Like, yeah. So if you want to, let's kind of go, because again, you just gave me your age, which is interesting because I'm 40 as well. So <laughs> that just like stuck in my head. And then to see everything you have done in the past, let's just say decade. Um, so what is your morning like? What is your writing routine like to to be able to come up with all of this 
this content? Well, I have two daughters. They're twins. They're nine. Aww. So my morning is usually getting them off to school during yep. the school year. And after they're off to school, then I settle in. And I usually I'm not a morning person. I'm a night person. But since I have to get up early with the kids and get them off to school, I'm, my, my creative brain's not awake yet. So I usually spend a little bit of time with my coffee, checking emails, doing, you know, various tasks associated, contacting people, um, checking my reader group, chatting with readers, doing all that sort of thing for like maybe an hour till I can warm up and wake up. And then, then I just settle in and I just have a word count goal for the day. And sometimes I make that by the time the kids get home. And sometimes I don't. So then right. I'll usually write at night as well, just to make sure that I'm staying on task. What is your kind of ballpark word count of the day? I try to, I, I aim for 4,000. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, <laughs> I, I just talked to um, Emily Murdoch and she, she told me hers was like 10 to 14,000. I'm like, oh my gosh, Emily. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think I would die. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, she's amazing. That's just, yeah, no, I'm around the 4,000, 5,000 as well. Thank goodness, because I just don't think I could do anymore. That's, but, um, okay, so we wanted to talk about, you have a new book coming out from the Rose Guild, which, and I just read her Ruthless Duke. It's fabulous. It's, I mean, your writing is just so, it just seems very easy, very just kind of fluid and it just goes and it's just, you just have a really nice style that I really appreciate as a, as a reader. So, um, I got through it really quick as always. Um, but yeah, do you want to tell me a little bit about one, the series and, and the new book you have coming out? Okay, sure. Well, so the series is a spinoff of my Sinful Sutton series. Um, there was some characters at the very end of that book that I felt like we weren't ready. They, they weren't wrapped up yet. So uh, it was kind of a spinoff of that series. And it's basically like there were spies in the Sinful Sutton. There was like a spy element in that series. And so the spies are now civilians again. And that's sort of what the Rogues Guild premise is, what's coming after the, the spy network got broken down. Okay. Um, but then there's also an element of, I decided... I've always wanted to write royal, so um, I invented my own fictional kingdoms and mixed some royalty in for this series because I just I've always wanted to try that trope and it just felt right for this series. So it's a bit of royalty and some self-made men and just kind of like a, and their first book is a duke, of course, but it's kind of a, a mix of all the tropes. I think like trope soup, <laughs> trope soup. That's great. So you mean you like you created royalty from a country? just like from a made up country that comes in. Is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah. That's oh. what I did. Okay. Very cool. Do you, uh, what's the country's name? Boritania. Was that easier than you thought it would be? Cause I, I can't imagine. I, I, I think I have a pretty good imagination, but coming up with something like that just kind of throws me off. Like how was that for you? It's actually really enjoyable because I could just make it be anything that I wanted it to be. And right. I think, you know, writing historical romance, I'm very big on historical accuracy. So you have all these strictures that you're writing around and, and all these rules that you have to follow and things that you have to make sure, okay, well that didn't happen. So I can't put that in my book and that sort of thing. So it was nice to be able to have this other monarchy uh, in this other place and I could kind of invent it. But of course, when I first started thinking about this idea, I'm like trying to invent the language and all. Oh gosh. Watching all these videos about like a Lord of the Rings type thing. Yes. Oh gosh. And then I realized, okay, you're taking this too far. Yeah. <laughs> We're not yeah. going to invent a language. 
You would you would have to have a lot of years for that, I think. That but it would be amazing. Yes. Maybe down the road you should try it. But yeah, maybe down the road. I don't have enough time to invent my own language currently. So no, not with the twins <laughs> at home for sure. Wait until they're in college, and then you can try yeah. that. <laughs> so um, let's see. So her wicked rogue. What um, what is that? What is that going to be about? So that is a princess from Boritania, and she's searching for her long-lost exiled brother. Um, her uncle has seized power, and he's this ruthless, evil tyrant. And so she's searching for her brother, hoping that her brother can uh, incite this revolution and get the uncle off the throne. And so she comes, but she's also going to be engaged to another royal. So she comes... To London for the engagement to be announced, but she's also searching for her brother. And then she enlists the help of the hero, who's uh, an ex-spy, who kind of offers sort of like detective services, if you want to call it that. And of course, the two of them hit it off. Well, yes. Do they hit it off at first, or is it sort of like angsty? Or um, it's pretty, it's pretty insta lusty. I would oh, say this. Love one. it. Love insta yeah. lust. That's great. <laughs> And um, so how many, one thing I did notice looking at your backlog is, are you writing multiple series at one time or do you just stick with one series, finish it and then move on to the next? Oh, I was writing multiple series at one time for a few years and I was making myself crazy. Yeah, like how do you do that? Like that seems so difficult to me. It was difficult. It wasn't necessarily the keeping track of the series because I'm I'm pretty good at that. And like everything feels so different to me. So I, I really didn't have trouble with that aspect. But what was really killing me was trying to keep pre-orders going between the series and then trying oh. to make sure I had enough time to write, you know, so that I'd have a new book coming in this series and then have a new book coming in the other series. And my deadlines were crazy and I had no free time. So I've now like the last book that I was writing in different series just came out in July. And now I'm hoping that I don't have to do that anymore. Right. Well, how many books do you try to get out a year? Um, usually around eight. Okay. Yeah. So you push yourself. You push yourself pretty hard then. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Can you rest on your laurel? Like, when do you think you can rest on your laurels? Like, when do you think you can just take a deep breath and be like, eh, maybe I'll just do four this year? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I will say I used to think that I was going to reach that point. And right when I felt like I was at that point, uh, a lot of things changed and my sales went down drastically and some okay. of my books were doing as well. And I thought, okay, I don't think you get to rest on your laurels. I think you just keep going. <laughs> well, yes. And, and one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately is like people's ideas of success or what your idea of success was two years ago versus what it is now. Because I think like if I would have asked myself what success was when I first started writing, it would have been, okay, having a book reach number one for a couple of days or something like that. And and now if, if something like that happens, I, I have a totally different idea. So has that changed for you? It has changed over time because of, of course, like I remember the time when it was just my idea of success was being published at all and exactly. having any readers, like yes. just one reader, you know? Or like one review. <laughs> one review, one five-star review. Exactly. Someone yes. took the time to do this for me. You know, it's amazing. Yes. And I still appreciate that so much. But, you know, of course, like that's not my, my I, I mean, it, it just changes. I think, I don't, I think everything, it's not that success 
is always elusive, but it's just that once you establish yourself, then you're the the goalposts sort of change. Yeah. That's a good um, way to put it because I'm worried now that it's elusive. I'm worried that I'm one of those people who's like always going to need like like you said, to move that goalpost and and that and yeah, that's that's kind of that's tricky to play with. It is. Yeah. And I will say that I I did reach a point that was beyond anything that I ever thought I would do with writing. Like it used to be just a dream to get published. And I never imagined that I would be able to be a full-time author. And I'm so thankful that I am. Yeah. Um, but having like, I, I had some amazing successes in the last year or so, but then also things can take a, a nosedive pretty quickly. You'd be surprised. Yeah. And so it, that really humbled me and made me realize that you can have more success than you ever imagined you'd have, but that doesn't mean you'll always get to have it. And things can change and you just kind of always have to be on your feet and hungry and, and working hard. Yeah, you make a good point because I've spoken to a few people lately who have said, you know, the days of when an author could just have these readers who follow them and they really don't have to do much to keep them or, you know, that is kind of gone. Like it's you have to always be there and engaging and adding to the work. And, and it's just like, it's just a totally different world for authors. Yes. I mean, it really is like back when I first started to try to get into, to publishing, I think it was sort of like, there was this gatekeeper thing going on and right. it was only traditional publishing. And so these authors, they never had to interact with their readers. I mean, you could, I remember sending an email to one author who I really admired at the time. And she was very rude when she responded. <gasps> oh no. Like, yeah. how rude. Like, okay, give me the name and what exactly what she said. No, no. I, <laughs> Come on. You know you want to. No. <laughs> I just remember being like, oh, I'm so disappointed. You know, but then I also I did meet some authors along the way who didn't have to take me seriously. Like I remember I was a high school kid and Veronica Sattler came to the local mall for a book signing. And my sister took me there because she was like, you know what? You can just talk to her. Just pick her brain a little bit. See if she has any advice for you. Oh, that's so sweet. And she was so kind and generous with her time and so nice to me and just didn't treat me like I was some high school kid that had no clue. She just, and she gave me advice and the advice she gave me really helped me. So I have, I have, um, having said that I had a bad experience, I've also had great experiences, but yeah, I think that like they didn't really have to interact that much. And nowadays it's like everything's social media driven and and there's so many authors. It's like I love self-publishing, but it also everybody wants to be an author now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And they can be. Um, so like the, there's just so many. I mean, there's just so many books, so many authors. And it's so easy for people to forget about you. If you're not right there in their face, if you're not putting out a book, if you're not, if they're not getting your newsletter, they have no idea and they can forget your name and forget that they even liked your books and move on to something else. So it is different. I think a lot different. That like gives me a panic attack. Like literally my heart's pounding. It's fine. It's great. Um, God, and I totally forgot what I was going to ask you now because I'm still stuck on the fact that that person was mean to you. And I totally want to know what they said. Um, but I guess, but I guess also that that's helped you deal with your readers now. It's like, I can't imagine that you would ever approach someone in any way, shape or form in like a negative way now, just because you know how that feels to have someone say that to you, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely not. I'm th- I'm thankful for every reader. I mean, anytime somebody takes time out of their day to send me a message, yeah, or to email me or to leave a nice comment, I'm just like they brighten my day and they make me smile and it makes me feel so happy that that people care that much and that they're actually like not just reading my books but reaching out to me. I mean, I do get some mean people too, but I ignore those. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, no. Yeah, I, I never read that stuff. Yeah. If people yeah. knew like how nice they made you feel by just being nice you know what I mean and I hate that word yes. nice. you know, I know people always say oh but like no just it's nice just be nice <laughs> I know it makes you and it really it, like I always when I respond I, I often tell people oh you've made my day and I really yeah. mean that like it's a, it's I feel like it's a silly thing to say but I honestly mean that like thank you for starting off my day with telling me you loved my book like I'm smiling you've you've started my day off on a great note I appreciate that for sure. For sure. Like God, starting the day with a wonderful review. It's there's nothing better. There's nothing better. Yes. It's so nice. Yeah. Uh, so you wrote when you were a child. Is that what you obviously just wanted to be when you were a kid and then you grew up? Did you did you major in writing in college? Like, how did that work out? Yeah. So I always knew I wanted to be an author, like from elementary school on up. And um, and then I went to college for professional writing because I thought, that was something I could get a job in that was more practical than creative writing. Oh, well, I did like I did journalism. So I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> yes. I was like, I can do something with this. And I did right. do something with it. But it wasn't, that wasn't my love. My love was was writing books and specifically romance. So yeah. What uh how did you read romance your entire life? Like when you were little, like how did you get into that genre? Yes. I so I have an older sister. Um, and she was a big romance reader and she had bookshelves and I wasn't supposed to read them because I wasn't, I wasn't old enough yet. And of course that meant that I was sneaking them off the shelf and stuffing them in places in my room. And (gasps) that's what I did. I hid them under my bed. My mom always found them, but I did, I hid them and I had a waterbed. So I mean like, yeah, it was, I had to work hard to get it under there. (laughs) You did. (laughs) (laughs) Did your mom read them too, or was it just your older sister? No, my mom always liked mysteries, but my mom was a big reader, and she would take us to the library growing up, and she would take us to the, we had a bookmobile that would come, because we kind of lived out in the country, and Uh so if we couldn't make it into town to the library, she'd take us to the bookmobile and encourage us to get big stacks of books, And um, but she wasn't into romance, and then my sister, I think my sister said that one of our aunts turned her on to romance novels. And then then she became a big romance reader. And of course, since she had the books, I just stole her books and realized I loved romance too. Yes. Was that a thing for your mom to like see you guys, you know, her little 13 and 14 year old girls coming home with like, you know, Fabio covers? Like, I wonder, I wonder what was in her mind. Yeah. Well, at first she wasn't very impressed and she didn't. (laughs) Eventually we just kept reading them. (laughs) So Hey, at he least they're reading something. At least that's what that was in her head. At least they're reading something. Yes, and I don't think she entirely knew what was in the books either. But <laughs> yeah, until until you read it, you don't know. You don't yeah, know. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> does your sister read your books now? Yes, she does. She's actually my proofreader. Oh, my that's proofreaders. awesome. Yeah. And does your mom read your books? No, I tell her not to. <laughs> right. I tell my mom not to as well. Yeah, she buys them all. I'm like, thank you, mom. It, when it's release day, she's always like, oh, happy release day. It just came. I just downloaded your book. And I'm like, don't read it, though. Don't I know it. I'm not supposed to read it. <laughs> no, I know. It's it's my mom, like, 
I, my older sister knows my pen name, but my mom does it. And she's tried to bribe it out of her so many times. And I'm just like, listen, if you want to be my sister, you just have to keep your mouth good. I just can't. I, I don't think I'd be able to look at my mom in the face again. Like it, I would just blush like a child. Like I wouldn't be able to handle it. Yes, I know. Me neither. There's some things our moms don't need to read. And that's right. Right. Oh, I know. I know. What is what is your favorite series? Like what is because I know like some series are harder than others. So what's one that you just, just ran through your fingers with? Um, I think hmm, that's a tough one, but I think probably the Wicked Winters because it just I don't know that just that that idea came to me in a dream initially, which was weird. That doesn't usually happen. Yeah. And then it just like flowed so naturally. And I loved all the characters and I wrote them like I, I was able to write them back to back because they were novella length. So, mm -hmm. um, and even though I had other series going on and so it just felt like I was in that world and it was just so easy to write. And then, um, as I got towards the end of it, I decided to keep it going with, um, with the bastard winters. And so that was a fun, different like that was a totally different aspect of the series. And it was sort of like my Regency mafia thing I have going on in that. So yeah, fun. Yeah. It was, so it was just fun. And I loved that I could play with, I, I get tired of aristocrats. I know people don't want to hear that from me. No, now. no. Don't say anything bad about Dukes, whatever you do. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't say that, but I do get tired of it. So I like mixing aristocrats with self-made people. Because For sure. It makes it more interesting for me to write. I just get, you know, I mean, how, like, of, of course, we're all writing Dukes and they're great, but it can't be, not every book can be about a Duke, let's face it. No, no, you can't. There's like, <laughs> there's just too many. I mean, they're fantastic. I love them. I love them, but there are a lot. Yes. <laughs> where do you, if you don't get your ideas in your dreams, where do you get your ideas? Um, I don't know. I just have a crazy brain, I think. And yeah. I occasionally, if I'm doing research, um, something will spur me and I'll be like, Ooh, I have to, I have to go somewhere with that. Like, right. um, I, I ended up years ago, one of my series, I was, I was researching a group of Victorian aristocrats that called themselves the souls. Um, and I found them so intriguing. And I, the reason that I started researching them was that I literally found an old book at the library sale that was about them. And it was like from the eighties and out of print. And I just read this book and I was like, these people are so fascinating. So that inspired me to write a whole series of, um, it was my Heart's Temptation series was inspired by them. But mm -hmm. a lot of times it's just, I don't know, my crazy brain comes up with things. No, is that the best though? It's, you'll be researching and there'll just be one line, just one line that just sticks out at you and you're like, oh, that's interesting. Yes, I need yeah. To think, you know, and like that one little line will just spur a whole series. It's really cool how that happens. It is. Yeah. But I know you also write contemporary. Isn't that true? Yes. I So I I haven't written contemporary in a few years. I've been kind of on hiatus, but I'm actually writing a contemporary again right now. Oh, fun. Do you think, is that is that easier? I would imagine that's a little bit easier, but I don't know. Yeah, it's a lot easier just because, like I said, I'm very interested. Like my books, I try to make them as historically accurate as possible. I mean, I might play with, conventions and plot lines that are a little bit ridiculous just for fiction's sake. But I try to make sure that all the technology, you know, the the gowns that they're wearing, right. that the words that they're using. And that's what gets me with Regency because there are so many words that you think would have existed then and then you look them up 
No, it came into use in 1878. I know. <laughs> I like, okay, I use that word. So yes. that aspect of just like being able to use modern language and not have to look up just about every word that I'm using to make sure it existed. Right. That's a lot. It's a lot easier. So many sayings, like I'll just, I'll have them written down and I'll have to, I always have to check them and I'll get so mad because it'll be like, oh no, it came out in 1867. And I'm like, oh, can I fudge it? Can I fudge it? I'm sure someone said it in 1849, but it's like, oh, right. Yeah. I mean, and there's some, there's some phrases that surprise me that they did exist for centuries that you wouldn't think. And then other ones that you would have thought were old, it's, it's like modern. And then, and nothing as a reader, nothing takes me out of a story faster than somebody in a Regency novel saying, okay, or something like that. It just drives <laughs> me nuts. So I know I try I, to make sure that that doesn't happen in mine. Readers do get very, very, as they should, as they should, but they do get very upset about that. Yes, they do. Yes. <laughs> but that's why we love them. It's why we love our readers. <laughs> yes. I think it's, it's definitely a historical romance reader thing. Is there anything I'm missing? Is there anything you want to, you want to point out before we go? Um, no, I, I, well, maybe just that my books are a little bit racier typically than the standard book. If in case anybody's listening and picks it up and is shocked. No, <laughs> they are not racier. They're fabulous. They're just racy enough. I, I love the race factor of your books. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's historical romance. Come on. That's right. You have to have a little bodice ripping going on in there. Exactly. And when is, what date is the new book coming out? September 28th. Oh, so it's coming up. Are you doing anything special for that day? I usually do a release day party in my reader group, my sassy reader group on on Facebook. Well, I guess it's called Meta now, but I keep calling it Facebook because I'm old. <laughs> I I didn't even know people were calling it Meta. So that's, <laughs> I mean, I'd heard that, but I didn't take it seriously. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Meta. I think it's mostly the people that work at Meta that are calling it Meta. Well, seriously. And it's also the Twitter being X now, which, uh, listen, that's, I always like to say like things aren't going to catch on and then they always catch on, but I really hope that doesn't catch on. <laughs> I know. It's so strange. It's very bizarre. It's bizarre and it's weird. And anyway, thank you so much. It was such a privilege getting to speak to you and I really appreciate you taking your time. I know you're busy. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been great fun and I really appreciate it. So there you have it. That was my interview with Scarlett Scott. I hope you had as much fun getting to know her as I did. If you liked this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and a review. Also, to stay up to date with Romancing the Tome and get all the behind the scenes content, as well as learn about upcoming guests, you can follow me on my Facebook page or sign up on my newsletter on my website, margothorn.com. Thank you so much for spending your time with me and I will see you next episode.